grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I bring your greetings from Lutheran Family Service. I want to thank you for the support that you do uh, give to the, the organization that I now work for part-time in retirement. Uh, we do appreciate it. We are your counseling and adoption uh, agency throughout the state of Iowa. We're starting to expand outside of Iowa as well. We're going to talk all about that in Bible class. So if you want to hear about that work, uh, be sure to come to Bible class. Also, just to call your attention to the insert that you have, with an opportunity to find out more work about us uh, by filling it out, uh, giving us your name, address, email. We can get you on our email mailing list, or we can uh, you know, get you on a regular mailing list, or if you'd like to make you know, an additional contribution to our, our work. Anyway, you, if you want, you can even hand this in to me today as you leave worship today. We're going to look at the gospel lesson, especially the first couple verses of this lesson. What do you think the odds are of being struck by lightning in any given year? One in 700,000. That's what statistics say. One in 700,000 people are going to be struck by lightning this year. What about in a, a, a lifetime, an entire lifetime, your lifetime? Statistics say that one in 3,000 people will be struck by lightning in their lifetime. Of those, nine of them aren't really going to have many issues to deal with. One of them will die. Okay, one, one of those 3,000 in a lifetime. I guess as you consider those statistics and you look at the odds, we can probably safely say we don't have to worry about being struck by lightning. Now, don't tell that to Roy Sullivan, though. Roy Sullivan, uh, he worked for the Shenandoah National Park Service in Virginia. He worked there for 34 years. In the 34 years that he worked at that park service, he was struck by lightning seven times. And he says, no, that's wrong. Actually, it's eight. He was struck once as a child, but nobody recorded it at that time. So eight times. Needless to say, when thunderstorms came around and Roy Sullivan was in the area, Everybody left, didn't they? Yeah, they weren't going to be around Roy at that time. But you got to kind of wonder and ask yourself, why? You know, what did Roy Sullivan do to deserve that? I mean, really, one in 700,000 people get struck by lightning in a year? One in 3,000 gets struck once in a lifetime? Roy gets struck seven times in 35 years? What did he do? He certainly didn't deserve that, did he? Why is it that bad things sometimes happen to good people? Well, the ancient Jews thought they knew. They thought when tragedy like that strikes somebody, it is because they did something wrong. And this is them being punished for whatever great, grievous sin was committed. We've got examples of that in the Bible. I mean, just think of Job. As he was sitting around, you know, he lost his, his livestock, he lost his health, uh, you know, and his friends are sitting around talking with him about it and saying, well, Job, what great sin did you commit that, that all of this tragedy happened to you? Even his wife started chiming in with those, and, and they, she told him, just curse God and die. You know, get it over with, Job. And Job continued to maintain his innocence. Or that boy that uh, they brought to Jesus. The boy that was born blind. 
And they asked Jesus, well, who sinned that this boy was born blind? You know, somebody did something or this wouldn't have happened. Well, that's the philosophy behind what we saw in the gospel lesson today. When these people were around Jesus and they came up and they were going to report to him an event that occurred. It seems some Galileans... Uh, were killed and their blood was mixed with their sacrifices. So, you know, I, I tried doing some research on this and we really don't know uh, many details behind this outside of what's in the Bible, but obviously they were doing sacrifices. Uh, it's thought that Pilate must have sent some of his henchmen there who killed these Galileans while they were doing their sacrifices, hence the blood was mingled with the sacrifices. So what did they do that was so wrong that they had such a bloody, violent death and at all times when they were doing religious activities? Why would God allow this to happen? And did you catch Jesus' response to that? He asked them, do you think these were worse sinners that it happened to them? And then he gives them the answer. He says, no. But unless you repent, it's, you're going to perish also. And that must have taken them back. And then he gives them another example. What about those 18 people? They were standing near this tower of Siloam. And we don't have any details on this either other than what's in the Bible. But they were standing on the, by this tower of Siloam and it came crashing down on them and killed them all. Do you think they were worse sinners than everybody else in Jerusalem? You know, how was it going to be that all the worst sinners in Jerusalem were all going to gather together by this tower at one time so the tower could fall on them and kill them? Well, that's what happened. Do you think they were worse sinners than everybody else in town? And Jesus said, no, they weren't. They weren't the worst sinners. But if you don't repent you are going to perish as well. And the condemnation continued. You know, I, I think he wanted to get them out of that self-righteous attitude and game that they were playing, that as they saw tragedies happen to other people, they had to be great sinners, but those who were pointing the fingers were denying their own sinfulness. And I think he was pointing out that we're all sinners. And we all are in need of repentance. And it's not only us people. It's, it's all of creation was affected by sin. You know, St. Paul said that nature, nature itself moans and groans, waiting for redemption. And don't we see that? You know, with, with the violent upheavals that occasionally happen in nature. You know, the tornadoes and the tsunamis and the storms and all of nature was affected by sin. I guess if I'd have to ask you, you would probably have to admit it as well. Is there anyone here who has not had something bad happen to them in their life? In your life? Are you a greater sinner than everyone else? That would be this thought. But let's face it, pious, devout, good Christians have died in car accidents have had their house destroyed by fire or wind and storm, have gotten cancer, have lost jobs, have lost loved ones, 
Bad things have happened, even to good, pious, devout Christians, like the Galileans who were worshiping, sacrificing, and were slaughtered, like the people who were standing by that tower of Siloam and suddenly it came crashing down and it killed 18 of them. And so Jesus' words, unless you repent, you will also perish, weren't just directed to the people of his day, but they were directed to the people of all time. They're directed to us as well. Or as the author of the Ecclesiastes says, there's not a just man on earth that doeth good and sinneth not. But is that really what our God is? Is is that really what he's like? Just a God who's going to take out vengeance and wrath on sinners? Is that all that he has to offer us? Is punishment for sin? You know, Ken Klaus, used to be a speaker at the Lutheran Hour, uh, wrote about an incident. And I'm just going to read what he wrote. I thought it was kind of interesting. He said, A lady after worship fell on a church step and broke her hip. After surgery, she didn't improve and died a few days later. At the visitation the night before the funeral, the woman's pastor overheard people saying things like this to her grieving husband. Be comforted. This is the will of God. God is testing you through this tragedy. You will see God's direction in this someday. Every dark cloud has a silver lining. And all these were well-meaning comments, but when the pastor went home, he rewrote his sermon. He began with these words. Today, I proclaim to you a loving God who doesn't push old ladies down church steps. You know, for all the hardships that we face, for all the tragedies that we may have in our life, and all of the setbacks, we also know this. Not only is there sin and the consequences for sin, but there is God who sends his Son, who's always there, who's with us with a word of hope and with a word of promise. And it was into this world that moans and groans waiting for redemption. It was into this world where things happen to people, even to good people, that he sent his son so that we might be saved. And that's where we find Jesus, isn't it? Walking with people, talking with people, being there for people even in their hard times. He didn't just come for the religious people of the day. He came for all people of all times. And that's why he came. God loved the world so much, and you know the verse as well as I do, that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's why he sent his son. That's who he sent his son for. And so we find him causing the blind to see, you know, the lame to walk, raising like Lazarus from the dead being with people, being accused of eating with tax collectors and sinners, but knowing that's why he came. And he took all of our hurts, all of our sorrows, all of our setbacks, all of our pain, and he took it to the cross, and he died for that so that we can have life. 
You know that, that verse that, that you all know, you know, that I just quoted, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And you know what comes after that is just important. For God, for son did not come to condemn the world but that the world would have life through him. You know, at Lutheran Family Service, that really is our ministry. Our mission statement says, we walk with others who are experiencing hard times, and we are there for them, just as God was there for us. And in our counseling, in our adoption ministry, our, our workshops and presentations, and all that we do, that's what we're here for. We're here to walk with you who are experiencing hard times, and to be here for you, just as God was here for us, and we know he's here for you as well. Because for all the hardships and hurts that we have in this world, there's going to come a day that people are going to say, it's the worst day of your life. But it really isn't going to be that. It's going to be a day we're all going to experience. We might not all experience accidents and towers falling on us or slaughter you know while we're worshiping as those Galileans did but there's one day that we're all going to face and, and that's the day that we close our eyes in death and that day might come suddenly for us it might come tragically you know, as in those examples in the bible it might come slowly it might not come soon enough we might beg for it to come sooner or it might come too soon but whenever it comes, it's going to be a day that we close our eyes in death and those who we leave behind, our friends and our relatives and our families, they're going to say of us on that day, it's the day that you died. But you're going to say, it's the day that you really began to live as you open your eyes into the new life that God has in store for you. It's not going to be a day of condemnation. It's going to be your day of salvation. And so may God keep us till that day. May he continue to walk with us and be with us, even as he was with the people of his day, so in our day as well, until that day that we're walking through those gates into that mansion that he has prepared for us in heaven. And may that peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.